You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I mean, I think it's funny. I started my show on Monday being like, you guys expect me to come here and light this team on fire because they lose this terrible game. But I'm going to start with something positive, and that's that Sam Howell's playing good football. Because if, if like, we're being honest, the most important thing for the rest of the season and has been for the last couple of weeks is Sam Howell. And is he the guy moving forward and all that kind of stuff, that big gigantic franchise altering question. And he is continually pushing the needle towards. Yes. Like if you had to make the decision right now, I would certainly, or if I had to make the decision right now, I would be like, yes, Sam Howell is our starter in 2024. Um, Who wants to come, you know, who wants to come work with him? And that would be where I'm at right now. He is showing the composure. He's showing that the moment is never too big from him for him. He's showing big time throws. He has taken his pressure to sack uh, percentage number way down or sack to pressure number way down. Um, I believe PFF had it at 13.9% in this game. Remember that number was 39% earlier in the season. So he is showing growth in every single area and he's showing a level of consistency that I think is, is, is crazy impressive. But what's, what's kind of nuts is like, he's the reason they're competitive. Yeah. And and for a team that has as much firepower weapon-wise as this team has, like you, we talked about uh, on the defensive side of things, how having explosive playmakers just gives you more opportunities as an offense. And you see the impact of DK and Lockett and Smith and Jigba and like what they can do with their running backs. And Shane Waldron does a phenomenal job of that. And Gino's just kind of got to distribute and let those guys make plays. The commanders are feel like the opposite. It's like they have... Curtis, they have Terry, they have Jahan, they have Logan, they have these backs that we really like. And then Sam has to make magic out of stuff because why? And like, that's the thing I don't really understand because EB is really smart. They've got concepts that they work that work in this game. It, it felt like the feel for it wasn't necessarily there. Where as you talked about, like they had things that were good on paper, but when they didn't work, like it took them forever to find the adjustments and the real production comes from Sam creating something out of nothing. 
And yeah. I think that is not an ideal situation for a quarterback who still has started less than 15 games in his NFL career. Yeah, and I think I, let's just run through the first couple of drives because I think it helps kind of maximize what you're saying. And so obviously you get the the TD to B Rob, and you know B Rob deserves a ton of credit. But to me, this is Sam's play, right? He yeah. escapes his pocket. There's a pressure. He brings the flat players up, hits B Rob. Great job. Second drive, it ends up in a punt, right? So they do some good things on this play, right? Like there's, but again, the so they first and ten zero yard run. Second and ten, it's this bow concept. So you know, sit in cut. And it's covered perfectly by Seattle. There's nowhere to go with the football. Sam scrambles to his right, attacks the line of scrimmage. Bobby Wagner steps up. Sam over the top. Easy completion to him, right? Then there's an incompletion. There's a screen that doesn't work. Then Sam checks it down to Gibson on third and 13 for nothing. So even in that sequence, like Seattle, I thought did a really good job of matching concepts. And the two productive plays they had on their first 10 plays were Sam kind of elevating the offense. And that's, I think, kind of speaks to your point, is that's kind of what it was. There wasn't a lot of easy stuff. Now, on the field goal drive, I think they did a great job of getting the concepts that they like. You know, they, um, they on the third and two with 14-12 uh, in the second quarter, they run shallow cross, which is something that we've seen them run since day one of training camp. It's an, it ends up being kind of a, an explosive play to Logan Thomas where, you know, there's like mm -hmm. a little bit of a pick by Bates. So there was some stuff like that. But I think on the whole, it was – the stuff they thought was going to work and hit didn't really work. And Sam kind of had to elevate. And so the stuff that was really successful, surprisingly, was like the quick game stuff, which, I, you know, le leaving the game, I wasn't like, oh, the quick game was great. But that was the stuff that kind of worked for him. And um, and Sam making plays off schedule. Like he, the second play to B-Rob is a Sam off schedule play. And if they didn't get that kind of production from Sam, like when they get in that sequence of three and outs, like I think that's the other thing is Seattle's defense – made a couple of big time plays. Um, you know, on the first three and out, they get a sack. 99 beats Chris Paul on a pass rush. And pass rush yeah. and hit Chris Paul kind of happened on game. that play, by the way. It looked like to, when watching it back that Paul thought he was going to have help. Like his either just totally lost it technique wise, but it looked like he was trying to like push it back into Larson and Larson's tied up with with blocking one on one. So did he just like miss understand what was happening like what happened there well i think um it, it was like a zero pressure or zero ish type of pressure so right. it's a kind of an all-out blitz and in that look if you you're kind of expecting them to be sound as they rush and i think um leonard williams kind of vacates the b gap going back to the a gap and you don't really expect that honestly if you're the guard you kind of expect them to rush the b gap but i, I really think that maybe Chris you still gotta like stay in front of him Hundred percent, hundred percent. You don't, you don't yeah. expect it. So, like, that's one thing about guys that kind of get like the, um, get the keys to the car, so to speak. Is like JJ Watt's a good example of this. Like, when you play outside of scheme, it is actually helpful for your individual production because you're supposed to be doing something. The offense knows you're supposed to be doing something, and you kind of release that opportunity, and it ends up being kind of it. It surprises the 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 blocker more than anything. Like, I remember the hardest guys I used to play with was like Von Miller. Because he would just go inside and lose contain. And you're like, there's no contain player to this defense now. But because he's Von Miller, he could do that kind of stuff. And I felt like Leonard Williams did that on that play. Probably surprised him a little bit. And obviously, you got to finish the play. But I'm saying the reason that's challenging, yeah. the reason it looks that way, is probably because right. he was expecting right. something different. Um, and so, so then they get that play, right? Then there's the next sequence where there's an incomplete pass, right? They, they just couldn't find the rhythm outside of those explosive plays. And I think that was the thing that was... 
that was kind of frustrating, especially for the first half. Is like they had two really nice explosives on Sam, kind of being Sam. They had one to Logan Thomas, which was great in the context of the offense. But I think that was the thing that was a little frustrating is that this defense for Seattle was they played well or they played them well and took away some of the stuff that I think EB was counting on for kind of explosive, easy throws. And it wasn't there. Love the stick to love the competitiveness of the group. They kind of figured it out. Some late plays to Terry McLaurin on slants on third and shorts, fourth and shorts. Great job there. But it did take a long time for them to get going. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm frustrated at the offense probably today a little bit is because I feel like everyone's being critical of the defense and rightfully so they should be critical of the defense, but the offense could have definitely helped them out earlier if they had been a little bit more efficient uh, specifically in that second quarter of this game. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, this game, the two teams mirrored each other the entire game. Like the offenses struggled early. The defenses played pretty well early and then late fourth quarter, both offenses kick it into another gear and the defenses can't keep up um, probably in part because they're exhausted from the early game production. Um, it's more intense on the Seattle offense, Washington defense side of it, uh, by ultimately three points. But I, I think that, you know, that's why some of this stuff sounds almost inverse of what we were talking about on the defensive right, side of the ball. Right. It literally was, um, <laughs> the run pass split. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit here, but I just want to circle back to it. I, I know they weren't efficient, but I think you just have to live with some bad carries. Like philosophically, that is how I feel. You have to live with some bad carries. It's the equivalent of an incompletion in the pass game. Like you don't stop passing the ball because you have an incompletion. Don't stop running the ball because you have a two-yard gain. It's fine. The next one might hit. And I think, again, going back to the fact that so much of this offense is on Sam right now, I would love to see them take a little bit off of his plate not just to take some off of his plate because he seems like he can handle it right now and like kudos to him, but I think it also like you're starting to become way too predictable. And and Sam Cosby talked about this after the game in the locker room. He's like, we became one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And you you look at that that three drive stretch in the second quarter. It's nine plays, four oh eight total of possession. So you have th- the entire quarter. Your offense is on the field for basically less than five minutes. Um, I don't remember if that first drive started exactly in the second quarter, but it's your last three drives of the first half. You're right. on the field total for 408. Um, and that includes, by the way, actually 12 plays because you, you punted three times and that the time that Tress ball, Tress way kicks the ball in the air counts <laughs> in your time of possession. So your offense is on the field for less than four minutes of those, uh, those three drives and it's eight passes to one run. And like one of those drives is 53 seconds. And yeah. you know, the difference between here's the difference between an incompletion and a zero yard run on a zero yard run the clock keeps ticking your defense is that's less time your defense is going to have to be on the field later and so i think that there's just a complementary nature to it and i know i said this almost verbatim post game but there's a complementary nature that this team is missing and i think there's also the schematic advantages of keeping a defense honest that this team is missing that even if you throw away a two-yard run on a first and ten or a second and what a second and ten even, and you wind up in third and eight. Like the next drive might be a little bit easier because the defense is going to have to play you more honest. And I think that is when this team gets into big ruts is when they become incredibly predictable and one-dimensional. And you have to be able to sacrifice a little bit now for bigger production later. That's something we'd probably have to look at like longitudinally from the season, you know, like when they get in ruts, like what's the play call ratio. But what what I would say, and I'm going to push back on this till the end of time, 
is if you want to do that, like look at Seattle. I think Seattle is a pretty good example of what you're talking about. I think they ran the ball 26 times, something like that. Mm-hmm. They are hunting, hunting for good angles, good matchups, creative ways to find um, to find positive runs. And I think that's the thing that if you're going to do it, you got to do it. Because I don't think Seattle had a lot of negative runs in this game. I don't think they had, I think maybe one of the 26. And you can live with that. As long as you don't take negative runs, you can live with that as an offensive play caller. And I think that's one thing that you can see it. You can feel it when EB's calling the game. He'll call a run, and it's like kind of a token run. It's like single back power or counter or whatever it is. And it hits for zero. And you can immediately, you're like, oh, he's that he's off that now. He doesn't want that anymore. And so what I would say is like, can you find ways to make your run game more efficient? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So and what then, happened in the that drive uh, in the second half where they were efficient? They had the four straight big runs. So they get to like outside zone stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. Let me go back to my notes real quick. So yeah, they. Um, so first off, the the thing that I that I really when you look at the the runs in the first half, which I think we talked about in our production meeting, was like six or seven runs, not overly efficient, mistargeted, guys losing one on ones, and they were kind of the base runs. They were kind of the runs that this team consistently runs: single back power, counter. Um, they like to run weak with the fullback quite a bit, um, and they just weren't very effective. And then you get to this this 15-yard run. It's outsides on the left. It's nothing super complicated. The thing that sticks out to me is that it's targeted correctly. So early in the game, they ran, a, they ran weak, basically, um, Washington did, and they bring 21, Devin Witherspoon, down in the box as like a strong safety type player. And you can tell that they don't know how to target that run. What I would call force. It's not weak. So the difference between weak is that you're running it away from the tight end. Force, you're running it to the tight end. So you're running it to the tight end. The the tackle tight end combination on the front side is going to Witherspoon. The fullback is also going to Witherspoon, meaning that the middle linebacker, the Sam linebacker in this case, is free and ends up making the tackle. So that's something that kind of pops up consistently is teams that run the ball well, they know where they target their runs. They're effective at it. They know where to go. And so... When you look at the 15-yard the gain, everyone's targeted correctly. It's outside zone. There's no fullback. Um, the first combination goes to Witherspoon. Hey, he's the first guy in the box. Let's block that guy. Second combination goes to the next guy. And guys win their one-on-one matchups. And it's a little bit of a – they kind of subvert expectations a little bit because in that single back look, like I said, they've been they, – they like to run Wanda, they like to run Pop, and they like to run GT. And so getting out of that a little bit I thought was helpful. And, and the fact that the run was targeted correctly – but you don't get that run targeted correctly unless you put a little bit of time into it and kind of address that in the week. And I think that's something that you can tell. They just don't – it's not part of them, their offensive identity. Seattle, you can tell. The receivers know who to block. The tight end knows who to block. The fullback knows who to block. They have motions and shifts to help cultivate angles in the run game. That's just not what this team is right now. And so you say you have to be okay with negative runs – or neutral runs, excuse me. I think – you don't have to be if you if you're Kyle Shanahan, if you're Seattle, if you're Detroit. Well, sure, like positive is better than neutral. But but I'm saying but I'm saying they they 
they have cultivated an offensive identity that they don't take negative runs. And if they do, the percentage is way down because of they've invested time into it. And I, and we've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast. So it probably sounds like we're retreading old ground, which we are, but until they invest more time into it, this is what it's going to be. Th- this is going to be the relationship. And until yeah. the coordinator, I mean, de- go ahead. I just, I hear you. I just disagree with it philosophically. Like philosophically, I do not think you can sustain an offense in this league at, I think they're at like 32 and a half percent run on first and second down. And for the reasons that I said, like, I'm okay with neutral, like EB might not be, I disagree with that. Most coordinators I, are not is what I would say. And so, right. and I don't, and I, I'm with you, man. Like, there's like a reason by the way, that, philosophically, I'd also run this stuff during the week so that the run game could be more effective, which I know that, you agree with as that's well. That's what I'm saying is like, if yeah. you want, if you want to do this, if you want to run the ball more, you just need to put more time into it. That That's really what I'm saying. And like, you can just tell they don't put as much time into it as other teams do that are good at it, that are really, mm-hmm. really efficient at it. They don't do that. And why is that? That seems, you know, Andy Reid, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I think fans are calling for this better ratio. It'll always be like this until the coordinator believes it and until they invest more time into it. And the offense has been effective in, under under certain parameters, not running the football a ton. And I get that. I agree with you. I think you want to run the football more, but I'm also of the ilk of the mindset here that it's if it's I want I want a semi-effective run game. I want I want it to be sure. productive, and I think that's where we're saying the same things. But one of the reasons why I think EB is so reluctant to engage with this run game is because it's not overly efficient, and he loses confidence in it early, and then he'll get back to it in the second half, which is what you see with this kind of cluster of explosive runs. That's great. But in order for you to believe in it, you got to rep it and, and he's got to see it. He's got to feel it and he's got to be confident in it um, because if you're not productive with it, he's not going to call it. And I think that's ultimately what you're getting to is he doesn't trust it, but why doesn't he trust it is the question. And I think it, to me, it's because they don't put enough time into it in the week. And why don't they put enough time into it or why don't they believe in it? I also think like when you watch teams that run the ball, they look a certain way. The, the, the targets look a certain way. The communication's a certain way. The combinations look a certain way. And that's just not who this team is right now. Yeah, no, I, I we're on the same page. Um, I just am like, the result of doing it this way is you're not going to win a ton. Um, and it's going to have an effect on your defense. It's going to make things harder for your offense. And that seems like a reason to do things the way that we're saying. And we're not asking for 60-40 even. Like, it's just, can it be... 6535 would be an upgrade. That's crazy. Like yeah. can it be can it be 6337? We've now reached the end of my math skills. But uh <laughs> that's that's really what I'm what we're looking for. All right. Um anything else from the offense? We're already running long, but yeah, uh, the sorry. Receivers, um, the receivers really quick maybe. Yeah, I mean they I mean there were times where they were open open potentially, but I thought that um, Seattle's coverage guys did a great job. That back end did a really nice job kind of negating Washington's receivers and making tight windows and I thought they they the coverage matched well with the rush and um you know, I thought the O-line played okay, um which is which is uh tough because I think Chris Paul had a pretty rough grade, but like played well enough to win the game and it but there were situations where there's a little bit of pressure sam can't see the throw down the field the coverage is a little bit tighter it's longer developing it doesn't work out so i think that was a huge thing but also i just got to say maybe the best throw of the year that last play for the touchdown to uh to brown like holy cow talk about big time throws doesn't get more big time than that and so every week sam will do something you're just like 
like your jaws on the floor, like that throw it's over two Seattle defenders in like an impossibly small window, like maybe his best throw of the year. And that's one thing that gets you excited about him is he has this ability to make, to make plays back there. He's not a, a passenger to the offense. Like even when the offense was struggling early, like we talked about, they found explosive plays to be Rob. They two of them, right? Of, of him kind of being creative outside the pocket. They found a um, a fifteen yard gain to Terry on on him vacating the pocket, making a play, and then that throw at the end of the game is you're not going to find a better throw. Like it was unbelievable. So and the thing I love too about that throw, real quick from Sam, is that like he does not vacate the pocket. Like we've talked yeah. about him vacating clean pockets. Like it, the O line stood up, and instead of being like, "Oh my god, my clock is going off." I have to get out of here. He's like, oh, I had time. All yeah. right, where can we go? And yeah. and then he delivers a dart. Yeah, and I think you see a nice maturation there from him with regard to that stuff. I thought he did a good job of getting the ball out of his hands versus certain pressure looks this week that that helped elevate the offensive line and bring down that pre- that sack that pressure to sack ratio. But um, yeah, I, I agree. Maybe run the ball a little bit more. The receivers were uh were tough this week a little bit you know i think terry had an okay game made some big plays down the stretch in terms of kind of big moments on slants and things like that but very quiet and i think it's because of how good that secondary was for seattle yeah all right that is take command for today a lot to chew on there um so we'll we'll see what they can figure out going ahead to new york again who's been their arch nemesis so we'll preview that game Coming up on Friday, uh, obviously don't miss take uh, take five in between now and then. So uh, we got some some fun stories on that tomorrow. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for listening and watching. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit like and subscribe. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, subscribe to us there if you're not already. And we'll see you next time on Take Command.